Welcome, everybody. You are talking tables and stainless with Bill, David, and Josh. On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the price changes that come. It is a new year, and with that usually comes updates in our costs from our suppliers, and we will have to change some pricing on a few accessories, so we'll go over that. We're going to talk about the progress of GS70 testing, let you know how the average uh, rep is doing on that testing. I'm pretty pleased so far. And we'll hear from Josh as well as from David. Let's start off talking about the parts increase. You'll notice that there was a memo that went out. We have a 5% increase in parts pricing. That again affects only parts. So we're not talking about medical devices like 40-inch carbon fiber extension as an example. We're talking about a bolt that you would use to replace a bolt on a 40-inch carbon fiber extension. So now there's some confusion about that when it goes out. But again, it's, it's not affecting medical devices. It's re affecting replacement parts. That being said, we do have some price increases coming up for table accessories. It is the first of the year, and with that usually comes cost increases from certain suppliers. So I'm going to read off a list of table accessories that you are going to see a price increase on. Start off with a radiolucent standard arm board, the multitask arm board, our tri-clamp, uh, both our pin and side rail type transfer boards. Levitator stirrups, this is a big one. Those are also going to increase. The universal split leg will be going up in cost, as well as the heavy-duty stirrup. And we're trying to bring back the silhouetted narrow head section. We're going to see if the supplier can continue to support that. Looks like that may be an item we can bring back, but that will come back with a price increase as well. Beyond that, you will see an increase in the large size Cloward saddle. And the new pricing for the new flex fits will be higher as well in comparison to the original flex fits. So keep an eye out for those. We try to keep the pricing, you know, in line as much as we can. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, we have products that can stay around a while. We typically have a good quality product and some of those will be on our price books and our GPO contracts for a long period of time. And if you have a product that lasts 10 years, you know, we absorb usually 10 years worth of cost increases from the suppliers before we have to make a change to the list price. And now is the time where we're going to have to do that. And I apologize for the confusion that creates all the accessories that I listed off with the exception of the new stirrups are items that are that are not on the price list right now. So they're not on GPO contract. Uh, so it shouldn't affect any any GPOs at this point. We're going to try to bring those back onto GPO contract at this point. Uh, hopefully that will be the case and they'll accept the price increase. I don't know if we'll be successful in that, but uh, we're, we're going to give it our best shot. Hey, Bill, real quick. I did look over that priceless worksheet and some of those accessories did jump up quite a bit. Can you explain a little bit further? Yeah, that's right, David. Some of them did go up, I would say, fairly substantially. One example would be the Levitators. Uh, list price on those was 4200 That's moving now up to $6,000. The one thing I can mention is that we're still well within line of our competitors. As an example, let's say the competitive equivalent to our levitator is Asteris Power Lift. Their power lifts are listed at $10,400, where ours are still, with the price increase, listed at 6000 So we're still well below where the competitor was or is at this time. I tried to look at Steris pricing for all the items, and in, in some cases, they do have an actual exact alternative. In other cases, you know, it's just something that's fairly similar. 
but our pricing is well within line of where Steris is, and in almost every case, we are below where they're at. So I would say that we've right priced our accessories uh, with this change and kind of brought us back into where the market is with their pricing. Hey, Bill, real quick. I was looking over some of the complaints of the transfer boards, and a lot of it had to do with the covers that, that slip onto those transfer boards. So I just wanted to let everyone know that we are working with our suppliers to move away from those covers and come back with a carbon fiber hard surface. So it's going to eliminate a lot of those tears and it'd be a lot easier to clean and hold up over time. That sounds great, David. Thanks. Hey, Josh, what's new with stainless? Hey, thanks, David. Appreciate it. There's actually quite a bit of activity we have going on in the SPD world. Currently, we're in talks with MAC, our supplier of our prep and pack tables, processing sinks, and case carts, to put together a proposal package to, to promote a competition for the reps throughout the remainder of the year, similar to the warming cabinet competition, but also make it easier to quote the needs for the SPD uh, and give them a bundling discount uh, when selling in this specific part number. So more to come on that. Uh, we'll update the field once we have alignment on pricing and, and what the percentage kickback and everything's going to be. But uh, ultimately, we're hoping to drive some, some growth in that part of the category and, uh, and really build on uh, the incremental opportunities that are out there. So please um, look out for me. I'd be reaching out in the next month or two to, to try to drum up some forecast data from some of the reps. It won't be too extensive, but uh, at least to get a ballpark on, on where we're headed in that direction. Another thing we're doing to make it easier to quote some of the processing sinks and prep and packs is we're going to have a master part number, if you will, which will build up the bill of material to include the more standard offerings for the components. So for example, processing sinks will equip a triple bay with two pre-rinses, a DI faucet, air gun, water gun, and then the ball drain valves. That's a typical configuration. I think some of the reps struggle with that, but I think that'll make it easier for them to, to talk to talk with the customer and easier to quote those opportunities. Uh, it'll also give visibility in how we're apples and apples as far as competitive set goes for price point once you equip all those components up to the, to the processing sink. A lot of activity around in the SPD world. Again, that's a big target for us to drive growth in the category, and we'll be reaching out to the group for further detail once it's solidified. Shifting gears back to tables here real quick, GS70 testing, we have 58 learners who have completed the testing successfully, so that's great. Our average test scores right now are 91.43%, so I appreciate everybody getting online who has and taking the test. For those of you who may struggle a bit with the test, what I'm doing is I'm having a class every week for those who need to take the test again, talk to you over Zoom, we'll go over the, the test questions a little bit. I'll try to answer any of the questions you might have. At that point, I'll reset the test, and then you can take it again. So if you get a notice that you need to retake the test, just shoot me an email, and I'll put you on the list for that week's uh, class. We'll go back over it, and you should do great. Overall, like I said, everybody is doing really well. The one thing I can say, though, is for those who have struggled in a lot of cases, you know, I've noticed that they maybe only spent 30 seconds or so looking at the manual or didn't watch the whole entire video. And it, you have you absolutely have to watch the video and you're gonna have to use the manual in order to pass the test. So it's not something you can just jump into, watch two seconds of the video, skip the manual and, and think you're gonna pass the test. It, it's not gonna happen, or at least it's gonna be very hard or you're gonna get very lucky at guessing at the question. So 
Take the time. I think you can probably do the entirety of the training. You know, it looks like the average person right now is maybe taking an hour, hour and a half to get through everything. And that's watching all the videos, including the service video that I've got on there. That's optional. And then taking the test. So try to dedicate an hour, hour and a half of time and you should do great. David and I are starting something new called Articulating Articulations. And it's all about learning about patient positioning based off of AORN guidelines. What's up first, David? This month is brought to you by Trendelenburg. Sounds great, David. Well, we know from AORN journals that Trendelenburg position is defined by having the patient's feet higher than the patient's head by 15 to 30 degrees. That's right, Bill. This position moves the patient, improves surgical access to the pelvic organs. Let's talk a little bit about the impact that the Trendelenburg position has on the patient, David. According to studies, patients, especially those with pre-existing ocular conditions, are at risk for post-operative ocular damage. That's right, Bill. Trendelenburg position also decreases venous return from the head because it's lower than the heart, leading to venous pooling and increased interocular pressure, which could also lead to potential swelling of the eyes, swelling of the lips, and tongue. Steep Trendelenburg, which is defined by a degree of Trendelenburg of 40 to 45 degrees and for greater than two hours, can also affect pulmonary function. This is more prominent in obese patients and something that we see more often in robotics cases due to their length of time and use of steep Trendelenburg. Yeah, speaking of robotic cases in Trendelenburg, the most commonly selected angle by surgeons was 28 degrees. So David, what's the best way to protect patients who are put into Trendelenburg? The main thing that they can do is reduce the time that the patient is in that position. Also, some research suggests that if by returning the table to level horizontally, periodically during surgeries, it will help reduce the risk. Well, David, I think it's a great thing then that the GS70 has a timer on it that would help facilitate something like that. Yeah, that's right, Bill. So the anesthesiologist could notify the surgeon at different time lengths, whether that's 10, 15, 30, or so on, and then position that table back to horizontal, all because of the GS70. Reading right out of the AORN guidelines, it says repositioning patients in the Trendelenburg position into the reverse Trendelenburg position or the supine position at established intervals during the procedure should be done if possible. Hmm. So how would you implement repositioning intervals? Well, honestly, David, it looks like the jury's still out on this one. While there is a recommendation to bring the patient back to level or into reverse Trendelenburg, as we said, deciding on what interval is appropriate is really up to the surgical staff and really should be based on the specifics of that patient. At this time, there's not enough evidence to suggest how long a patient should be removed from steep Trendelenburg into a supine or reverse Trendelenburg position. It's something there's just not enough data on at this point. So as far as ARN is concerned, it's just recommending that the patient be taken out of Trendelenburg at intervals based on the discretion of the staff. David, one of the things I think about when someone talks about steep Trendelenburg is the patient sliding off the table. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty bad one there. If the patient falls off the table, nobody really wants that. But just to note, just a slight shift in the patient's position in uh, Trendelenburg can create what they call skin shears and also really complicate those precise robotic procedures. As you would expect, AORN has some guidance on proper positioning for Trendelenburg as well. And it reads like this. 
Evidence regarding the most effective methods of surfaces to prevent patients from sliding on the OR bed is of low quality and is inconclusive. Further research is warranted. So not a lot of help there. What they do say is the use of foam or viscoelastic gel overlays, vacuum pack positioners, um, or other dedicated positioning devices are recommended. What is most important to note here is that they are not suggesting the reliance on the pad to hold the patient in position. You need a dedicated device to hold the patient when you are in steep trendelenburg. You know what device you don't need? Arm boards. It's recommended to tuck the patient's arms at their sides with typically a draw sheet. So this would prevent excessive abduction of the arms and reduce the cause of nerve damage. Another item you shouldn't use is shoulder braces. What? That's right, David. Shoulder braces can injure the brachial plexus. The pressure exerted on the brachial plexus rises as the degree of Trendelenburg increases. With a patient under anesthesia, this can lead to nerve damage and result in a loss of range of motion for the patient. Patients with a BMI over 40 should also not be put into the Trendelenburg position. So to sum up, if you're around 15 to 30 degrees, you are in Trendelenburg. If you are beyond that, up to 45 degrees, you're in steep Trendelenburg. Do not use arm boards when in Trendelenburg. The patient's arm should be tucked at their side. And AORN recommends that you take a break from Trendelenburg. They don't give you the exact details on when or for how long, but it is recommended to come out of Trendelenburg either into reverse Trendelenburg or just bringing the patient horizontal. And finally, use a dedicated piece of accessory kit to keep your patient in Trendelenburg. Do not rely upon the table pads to hold the patient into any type of Trendelenburg or, to be honest, in any type of position. Tune in next month to learn how to articulate another articulation. But if you do have any suggestions of anything that you would like to cover, feel free to reach out to Bill or myself and we'll get it going. Well, I think that's a wrap for this month's Talking Tables and Stainless. We thank you all for joining us and look forward to visiting with you next month. Yeah, 2021 has just started and we want to wish you guys all the best. And here's to a new year and a great start. Hey, take care, everybody. Happy selling. Mm-hmm.